trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. This is a program for people who are freedom curious, maybe just a little bit defiant, but definitely are willing to revel in wrong think. That means challenging the narrative. That means thinking for yourself. By the way, that doesn't mean agreeing with me, just in case you're wondering. I don't care if you agree with me or not. I'm trying to put out the best information that I can, but uh, whether you agree with it, whether you accept it or not, that is irrelevant. It's, it's totally up to you. You understand what I'm saying? I'm biased, very biased uh, toward freedom, personal liberty, private property rights, limited government, et cetera, et cetera. But that doesn't mean that uh, because you're listening, that means that implicitly you are agreeing and, you know, this is the unsigned social contract. Everything I say, you have to nod your head in awe. Oh, you're so smart. You, you are so good at this. I don't believe that way. All I'm trying to do is encourage people think as clearly and as independently as you can, because right now we live in a time where there, I don't know if you've noticed, there is a real, very literal battle to get to the truth. And you have more obstacles than you have ever had in your way. Now, isn't it weird? It, it, this is coming at a time where we have more information available to us. And I mean, on demand, right there at our fingertips. We're carrying around a little, you know, rectangular cell phone that contains more computing power, you know, than the world had when it sent man to the moon. It's right there at our fingertips. But there are fact checkers and there are spin doctors and there are whole media networks that are there to try to prevent you from seeing reality. In fact, uh, truth be told, a lot of what we're seeing right now is a kind of ideology. And it's, you know, this is primarily being pushed by the woke that encourages us. No, they don't just encourage demands of us that we ignore reality. It's a crazy time. But hey, let's let's delve a little deeper. Let's see what we can find out about what's happening in our world and more importantly, what you and I can do about it. All right, pull up a chair. Make yourself comfortable. You know, the panicked pearl clutching of the woke over Elon Musk's loosening of Twitter's censorship controls is pretty revealing about uh, the direction that they want things to go. First of all, we're learning that uh, we're learning there's a lot of stuff that was going on at Twitter that was very actively suppressing information. Now, I know there are even some here on, you know, on the, the conservative and libertarian side who are like, well, it's a, twi- it's a private entity and, you know, Twitter really isn't that big of a deal. And yet it's, it's not just about Twitter. You know, the bigger deal here is if someone is actively trying to keep you from seeing truth or seeing facts that could give you a better perspective, a more informed viewpoint, how could that be a good thing? I don't think it is. Ron Paul says it's time to separate tech and state. Now, he points to uh, Senator Ed Markey from Massachusetts, who recently got in touch with his inner mobster and threatened Elon Musk, the new owner of Twitter and the CEO of electric car company Tesla and space ventures company SpaceX. So Senator Markey told Musk, fix your companies or Congress will. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much a threat. 
Now, as part of this threat, Markey referred to an ongoing National Highway Traffic Safety Administration investigation into Tesla's autopilot driving system and Twitter's uh, 2011 consent decree with the Federal Trade Commission. Now, Markey's done a lot more than just make threats, says Ron Paul. He's one of a group of Democratic senators who wrote to the FTC urging an investigation into whether Musk's actions as the new owner of Twitter violated the consent decree or consumer protection laws. And since FTC Chair Lena Khan wants to investigate as many businesses as possible, it's likely she'll <clears throat> respond favorably to the senator's letter. Now, President Biden has endorsed an investigation into the foreign, the uh, role rather that foreign investors played in financing Musk's Twitter purchase. Biden may be concerned, for instance, that Musk uh, may be, uh, may, is not likely to ban tweets regarding Hunter Biden's business deals. In other words, the truth might get out. That's a concern. And concerns that uh, Musk would allow tweets containing information embarrassing or worse to the Biden administration point to the real reason that many Democratic politicians and progressive writers and activists are attacking Musk. They support efforts to suppress conservative, libertarian, and other non-woke speech on social media. Ron Paul says they view the prospect of a major platform refusing to silence those who dissent from the woke mob or Democratic Party establishment as a threat to their power. Musk further angered the left by committing what to many Democrats and Liz Cheney is the ultimate hate crime, allowing Donald Trump back on Twitter. Now, the threat against Musk shows that the threat to liberty is not just from big tech. It's from the alliance between big tech and big government. Some conservatives think that increasing government's power over social media is the correct way to make big tech respect free speech. However, increasing the U.S. government's power over social media can just end up putting more power behind government threats like those from Representative Markey. Expanded government control over how social media companies conduct their business can also further incentivize the companies to work with the federal government to shut down free speech. Once the government steps in with increased regulation, Ron Paul says the risk is that greater government control over what is communicated on social media will follow. So the question will just be, who's calling the shots on the exercise of that control? Will the result be an increase of liberal or woke pressure on social media companies to silence conservatives, libertarians, opponents of teaching critical race theory and transgenderism in schools, and those who question the safety and effectiveness of COVID vaccines? Alternatively, will a new sort of pressure become dominant, maybe pressure to comply with conservative or Republican-preferred limits on speech? Either way... Liberty loses. So big tech companies silence their users to curry favor with politicians and bureaucrats, often after encouragement, that's in quotation marks, from politicians and bureaucrats. Therefore, to end big tech censorship, Americans should demand that all government officials, including the president, not violate the First Amendment. Ron Paul says we must work to put an end to government officials pressuring or even encouraging social media platforms either to silence any American citizen because of his opinions or to downplay or suppress any news story. The way to protect free speech online is to separate tech and state. Leave it to Ron Paul to state what needs to be said. The man is consistent and he's been right. 
Kaczynski has been right so often. Now, I want to take this one step further, and I want to share with you an article. Uh, by the way, links to both of these articles are found in my show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. This one is from Andrea Widberg from AmericanThinker.com. Elon Musk confirms what we already knew about Twitter. She says, ever since Musk made noises about taking over Twitter and allowing it to be a forum for all legal speech, the left has been in a blind panic. Today, Musk confirmed what we all suspected about that panic. It's not just because the left will face challenges to its worst ideas, but it's also because Musk will be releasing information proving that Twitter deliberately used its vast power over American communication to affect election outcomes. Yes, for us, that's a duh, because it was obvious, but it's validating to see our suspicions proven true. Nobody with a smidgen of awareness could miss the fact that for years, Twitter has systematically silenced anyone advancing conservative ideas. This approach escalated wildly with COVID when people tried to make the very good case that things like vitamin D, zinc, hydroxychloroquine, and ivermectin would help contain COVID, making lockdowns, masks, and vaccines unnecessary. Say anything about that? You were gone. So the big question, of course, was whether Twitter's censorship was deliberately intended to alter election outcomes. For example, when Hunter's laptop emerged, showing his sleazy, illegal, and corrupt conduct, and possibly implicating Joe Biden in these scandals, Twitter promptly shut down any laptop references. According to Twitter, this was to prevent alleged misinformation from an unvetted laptop that could be the work of Russian spies. Now, Twitter's bias became even more aggressive after January 6th, when it banned a sitting president from its platform. It claimed this was punishment for Trump having provoked events on January 6th. However, by shutting down Trump's account, Twitter was also able to hide Trump's last tweets, urging people to behave respectfully and safely. Most did so behaving more peacefully than one sees at leftist rallies. So Andrea Woodberg says, let's hope Republicans can reveal those provocateurs in the crowd, a group that may have included people working directly with the FBI who stirred things up. And she includes a couple of links to videos that support those contentions. But through it all, Twitter claimed, well, it wasn't acting in a biased way. The problem, it said, wasn't bias. It was that conservatives from Trump on down were violating rules protecting Americans from violence and lies. Now, that didn't convince conservatives who were paying attention, but it was a good way to control the media and ensure that people who are not very political did not become enraged at being manipulated. i got to tap the brakes here because we're coming up fast on our own break. But again, this is Andrea Widberg's column from AmericanThinker.com. Musk confirms what we already knew about Twitter. I know we're not supposed to take any pleasure in other people's discomfort or, or, you know, angst. But it is kind of satisfying to see the left losing their minds right now over the fact that uh, people are able to freely share thoughts and ideas that they don't approve of. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. I want to give a quick shout out here to GarageDoorProServices.com. I really appreciate Seth and his company, first of all, for being a sponsor, but also just for being a great human being. Now, Garage Door Pros is your local company in St. George, Utah, Cedar City, Utah, Mesquite, Nevada, Colorado City, Arizona, if you need installation, service, and repair of garage doors. 
By the way, they also do insulated garage doors. So if you're uh, thinking of uh, making your garage a little more uh, winter friendly, there's the uh, there's you know an idea that you might want to act on. You can call them at 435-525-2773 or go to garagedoorproservices.com. That'll get you in touch with them and give you a whole lot of other information to consider. So back to Andrea Widberg's article from American Thinker about how Elon Musk is confirming what we already knew about Twitter. And this, of course, is referencing some of the internal documents and some of the internal uh, workings that he is starting to release, which show Twitter was definitely, absolutely, without doubt, manipulating the information and the, the ability of people to share information. And the big question is, well, did it interfere with elections? It's looking more and more like, yeah, that was the case. She talks about how uh, Twitter, you know, claimed it wasn't acting in a biased way. That wasn't the problem. We're not biased. It's conservatives that uh, are violating rules that are supposed to protect Americans from violence and lies. Which, you know, if this is the new attack on any form of dissent. If you don't go along with what the woke are saying, you know, well, your, your viewpoint is promoting violence. It's encouraging violence. And I'm just going to point out, you know, for, for all the, the mucky mucks who make a big deal about, uh, for instance, uh, was it uh, uh, oh, Patriot Front showed up to a, a gay pride rally in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, back in June. 31 of these guys were packed into the back of a rental truck, you know, like a U-Haul truck, and they got arrested because they were allegedly there to riot. I think they were charged with a misdemeanor uh, conspiracy to riot. And, you know, the, the press here in Idaho is just making a huge deal. Well, you know, this is just proof of hate crime spreading around the violence and everything. This is so violent. And yet, uh, could somebody show me credible footage or evidence of Patriot Front or the Proud Boys or any of these other groups? And I'm, I'm by the way, I'm not advocating for them. I'm just saying, show me anywhere where they have, um, I don't know, smashed storefronts beaten people on the streets, burned buildings down, attacked cops, stopped motorists and so forth, threatening them either with uh, with guns or with, you know, their fists or clubs or rocks or bike locks. Can anybody show me that? Because I'm, I'm thinking back to the summer of 2020 and beyond, and it seems like that's what left-wing protesters have been doing all along but somehow you know we're whistling and looking the other direction <laughs> oh no i don't see anything there you know when it, when it comes to covering <laughs> the actual violence that's being uh, you know pushed on americans nope it's conservatives violating these rules of service if they speak truth that's going to cause violence anyway back to the article andrea Whitberg says then elon musk threw a match onto gasoline when he indicated he was going to reveal what Twitter employees were saying behind the scenes regarding those of its actions that consistently sanctioned conservatives. In fact, she shares a tweet from Elon Musk. Uh, it's a poll. Apple should publish all censorship, all censorship actions that it has taken that affect its customers. How many people would agree with that? 84% of the respondents, this is out of like 2.2 million votes, said yes. To which uh, he replies, the people have spoken. So now you know Apple is considering dropping Twitter, I believe Google is too, from, from its app stores. Interesting. Somebody really doesn't want us speaking freely or being able to communicate information freely. 
Andrea Whitberg says a strong indication that revelations will be bad for Democrats and other leftists is that Twitter's ex-safety chief, the one who pulled the plug on the Hunter Biden laptop story, just admitted that he shouldn't have done so. The former Twitter executive and safety chief who played a key role in censoring the Post's October 2020 expose on Hunter Biden's infamous laptop has admitted it was a mistake more than two years later. Yoel Roth who was Twitter's head of trust and safety till he quit earlier this month in the wake of Elon Musk's $44 billion takeover, confessed on Tuesday that the company erred in restricting people from sharing the scoop. An error? That's called trying to get ahead of a story. In fact, according to a tweet that Musk posted earlier this week, there was no error. Twitter's decision-making was done with an eye to affecting election outcomes. Musk's tweet came about when Reuters posted an article which, in which that same Yoel Roth claims that he kept Twitter a safe, kept Twitter safe rather. A blogger named Eva Fox directly challenged Roth's claims, saying Twitter has shown itself to be not safe for the past 10 years and has lost users' trust. The past team of trust and safety is a disgrace, so it doesn't have any right to judge what's being done now. They had a chance but they sold their souls to a corporation. Now, Musk was obviously keeping an eye on this thread because he responded to Eva Fox's post by confirming that Twitter has interfered in elections. This is what his tweet says word for word. Exactly. The obvious reality, as longtime users know, is that Twitter has failed in trust and safety for a very long time and has interfered in elections. Twitter 2.0 will be far more effective, transparent, and even-handed. Oh, well, no wonder they're trying to get Congress involved. I mean, we can't have that. Maybe we need to nationalize Twitter, you know, for the safety of everyone involved. Oh, you think I'm kidding? I, there are people who are proposing just this. Andrew Whitberg says, Social media companies are the new public square and have been for a long time. They're where Americans go to express their free speech rights. And just as is the case with other places of public accommodation, hotels, restaurants, schools... Tech companies should be barred by law from denying access to people who are behaving legally. Musk may prove to be America's savior, she says, which also explains the not-so-subtle threats the Biden administration keeps aiming at him. The last thing the left wants is an honest marketplace of ideas, given that leftist ideas cannot survive scrutiny or challenges. Now listen, personally, I wouldn't go as far as Andrea Woodberg in saying that, you know, Trump may prove to be America's savior. I think there are some things that, that kind of, well, I'm not, not just kind of. These, these are things that actually make me very leery about Trump, or uh, Musk, rather. Sorry, interesting Freudian slip. But Musk showing up for a Halloween party wearing, you know, a satanic kind of costume. I'm not so sure that, uh, you know, even if you're joking, that's, that's just not the kind of dynamic that I think speaks well of a person. Simply because so much of what we're seeing today isn't just a matter of, you know, well, this political party versus that political party. You know, they, they hold up Hitler as the ultimate evil, right? Oh, well, you know, everybody else is literally Hitler. Uh, Alyssa Milano, you know, she she uh, got rid of her Tesla car because Trump is, or not, again, Trump, Musk is uh, is making her nervous because of his, uh, his treatment of Twitter and the way he's revamping it. Well, I'm going to get rid of my car and the fascism that it represents, and buy a Volkswagen. She obviously doesn't know the history of Volkswagen and, you know, how it was uh, founded at the behest of the Fuhrer. But my point is, you know, leftists have this, this curious thing, well, everything is literally Hitler that I don't like. 
But when it comes to embracing satanic stuff, oh, they're all on board. And to me, that's very telling. Because ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, what we're seeing play out before us is part of an eternal battle between good and evil. So yes, you know, if they're, if they're dabbling in satanic stuff, they're dabbling in evil. They're toying with, and in some cases, lining themselves with the darkness that has fought against the light eternally. So just keep that in mind. You know, it's, you know, it's not a matter of, uh, you know, everybody who doesn't agree with me is evil. It's a matter of uh, the faces and the names may change, but the dynamic that drives so many of the conflicts that we see around us at any given time are part of a larger eternal battle that's been going on forever. And not to be too dramatic, but you and I are a part of that battle. How so? Well, because we have free will, because we have the ability to choose how we will react and what we will do, you know, we can constrain evil simply by not allowing it to enter the world through us or our actions. That's a big deal. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks again for uh, taking a chance and giving a listen. Look, I can admit uh, this is not for everybody. This is way too intense for some people. And for others, believe it or not, it's not intense enough. I'm not far enough down the conspiracy rabbit hole. Well, trust me, there are plenty of folks out there who will indulge your fantasies or, not well, your fantasies, your concerns. Sorry, I don't mean to be condescending. They will give you demons to wrestle with. What I'm trying to do is get some great information out here so that you can better understand the world around you. Here's the challenge, though. To try to do it without bringing more anger or more fear into the situation, that is, uh, that's a pretty tall order. Because there is some pretty scary stuff that's taking place. And, and the direction we're going portends that uh, the conflicts we're seeing around us are likely to intensify in the near future. And for at least the foreseeable future. I believe there is a very bright, I would even use the term glorious outcome that awaits on the other side of that, uh, that conflict. But I also have no doubt that uh, big things are going to be required of us. We're going to have to be the kind of people who are strong enough to think and act for ourselves and not wait for someone to tell us, this is what you need to do here. Let me hold your hand. Step by step, I'll tell you exactly what to do. If you're, if you're determined to make some kind of a difference, and I'm, I'm guessing you wouldn't be listening to this program if at some level you weren't the kind of person who wants to, to make a difference in, in whatever way you can. You're going to have to figure out how to have some faith in yourself. And that's going to come not just from your beliefs, that's going to come from your actions matching up with your beliefs. But it's got to include action, otherwise uh, those beliefs are just going to stagnate. All right, sorry, that kind of got into a little sermon there that I, I didn't think I was going to. I want to share with you an, art, an article here that uh, just, it blows me away that the facts of life could be controversial, but here we are. Stephen Whitney has this great commentary on how men and women are, in fact, not identical. And that's a good thing. He says, pointing out the obvious is bound to get you into trouble these days. No matter how well-intentioned you might be, good faith debate across the aisle seems harder to come by. 
The stifling atmosphere has contributed to a sense of confusion with regard to how Americans, particularly in younger generations, view God's creation. And few issues are plagued by more confusion than the concept of sex. Now, people once understood that men and women are not the same. To have proposed that the sexes are identical would have resulted in laughter just a few generations back. Only the most committed feminists, then a rare breed, might have tried to argue otherwise. But the truth is that innate differences exist between men and women, and there's nothing wrong with pointing that out. Study after study has revealed that on average, women display more empathy than men. Women are also typically more interested in people, whereas men show more of an interest in things. This people-things difference is even noticeable in infants, disproving the claim that it's merely the result of cultural conditioning. Now, Stephen Whitney says, great physical differences exist between the sexes as well, which is clear in the gap in athletic performance between men and women, where men consistently outperform women. Now, this isn't to say that women cannot be great athletes, but it does explain why an under-15 boys soccer team beat the U.S. women's national team in a scrimmage. Now, to some, the claims will, uh, on, these claims above will only prove enraging. But to the rest of us, though, the research provided only reaffirms what we already know. Our grandparents certainly didn't need to read a bunch of studies to understand that men and women are different. Yet in today's world, where a wealth of scientific literature on sexual differences exists, the subject is more contentious. With that said, acknowledging sexual differences does not mean that one sex is of greater moral worth than the other. As Genesis 1.27 makes clear, God created man, meaning mankind or humans, male and female, in his own image. In fact, the quote is, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, He created him, rather, male and female, he created them. Now, the differences between men and women are thus divinely ordained. To deny them is to deny God's order. Not only should these differences be accepted, they should be embraced. After all, a society depends on it. The traditional family with a female homemaker and a male breadwinner has been the staple of American life for good reason. Tragically, such an arrangement is harder to establish these days, largely for economic reasons. But that doesn't mean we should shy away from holding it up as the ideal. Discussing the nature of men and women is further complicated by the rise of gender ideology, which teaches that sex and gender are different things. In other words, your biology has nothing to do with whether or not you're a man or a woman, or so they would have us believe. Now, how can we even have an honest discussion about the sexes when we can't even agree on what they are? What's worse, says Stephen Whitney, is that according to some physicians who buy into gender ideology, there are more than 72 genders. With this ungodly propaganda promulgated in schools and the media, it's no wonder that 57% of Generation Z feels comfortable to referring to others by gender-neutral pronouns. Those who believe that men and women have no innate differences or that these human categories have no basis in biology are confused. Most have been led astray. Now listen to this next part. We should not hate them, of course, but should instead aspire to engage with them in good faith, but we cannot indulge their delusions. After all, a world in which men and women are the same would be painfully dreary. Fortunately, that is not our world, and we shouldn't feel compelled to pretend that it is. Beautifully stated by Stephen Whitney. I like the way Will Grigg put it years ago. Man, I miss that guy. 
Will passed away about uh, five years ago. And uh, the, the thing I miss most about him was his ability to just pack a ton of truth into a very concise statement. One of the things that he said regarding the gender confusion, think how far it's come in the last five years. Will Griggs said, no one has the right to conscript you into their fantasy. Think about what that means. Okay, that's, that's not an excuse to mistreat people. It's not an excuse to marginalize people. But if someone says, well, I put on a dress, therefore, obviously, I am a woman. You are not duty-bound to shake your head in agreement. Yes, you are. And, and pretend along with them. You're not. That doesn't mean you treat them badly, right? You can still treat a person kindly without buying into their delusion and pretending that everything is normal and this is all natural. And, you know, the fact this guy just followed my daughter into the restroom because he's dressed as a woman is actually a good thing. Or that, you know, guys wanting to compete in women's sports, they're marginal at best, or maybe they even suck when they're up against, you know, a, a, a male body of, of sports competitors. But suddenly they get into women's sports and identify as a woman. And lo and behold, oh, look, wow, what a champion. And it's to, to me, it's just the, 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 the insulting part isn't that someone is deluded or confused. Okay, that's more tragic than anything. The part that enrages me is that uh, there are people out there who insist that if you don't agree with this or if you don't play along with this or if you try to point out that, hey, uh, she has a five o'clock shadow, you know, you are a terrible person. Because what they're actually saying is you're a terrible person if you stay rooted in reality. So I think a lot of this is not only to separate us from reality or to cause us to question what reality is or worse, reduce us to come to some kind of a mental subservience where we have to wait for someone who's sufficiently woke to tell us what reality is. We should be able to, to see it for ourselves. But instead, we're supposed to play along, be quiet, and pretend, participate in the lie, as Hal Solzhenitsyn would put it. Because to do so, you know, to do anything other than that uh, would be, you know, would be hateful. It would be violent. And so we, we deny reality, and, and it just seems like the envelope gets pushed further and further and further. I mean, even five years ago, drag queen story hour, would that have been a deal? Would people have said, oh, yeah, that's, a, that's really a good thing. A guy in lingerie wants to spend time with my child. Hardly. But now that's, that's where we are. And I think it's being done deliberately, not only to continue to defy reality, but to, to rub it in people's faces. Yeah, not only do you have to deny reality, but you have to pretend that this is good. Oh, and we're going to take direct aim at your children. In fact, we're going to uh, try to introduce this whole thing to your children about gender confusion and make sure your kids are questioning, well, maybe I'm not really a boy. Maybe I'm not really a girl. Maybe I'm a bug self. Maybe I'm a dirt self or any of the other, you know, pronouns that uh, the pronoun gang, you know, seems to come up with. If I sound a little bit frustrated, it's not because I think that these are stupid, evil people. It's because the, these people, whatever their disposition is, are trying to use force and coercion to get other people to do their bidding. And that's where I draw the line. I'm not going to be forced I'm not going to be coerced. I'm damn sure I'm not going to let you do it to my kid. So, yeah, that makes me a bad person. Well, then it makes me a bad person. 
But just understand, this bad person is going to give you the fight of your life if you consider if you continue to push this on me or on my kids. And it's not because I'm better than you. It's because I'm more committed to truth and to reality than you may be at the moment. I don't think we've given more fair warning than this. But somehow I get the sense that uh, the other side isn't really listening. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Just a quick shout out here for MonticelloCollege.org as well as LifesavingFood.com. If you visit my sponsors on my uh, Brian Hyde Show, TheBrianHydeShow.com website, you can not only check out those sponsors in greater detail, you can also subscribe for my daily show notes. Why would you want to do that? Well, because I include the links of the various stories or various guests that I have on the program. And it's just, it's a chance for you to do more of your own digging at your own pace and according to your own comfort level. I'm not trying to tell you I've got all the answers. I'm looking, right? I'm a work in progress. I'm just trying to seek out the truth wherever I can find it. But if I find sources, you know, resources for wrong thinkers, I'm going to do my best to share them with you. My show notes are a great way to get those. All it takes is your email. Just click the subscribe button at the bottom of the show notes. I'll take it from there. So two quick articles I want to touch base on in this last segment. Um, Slouching Toward Fascism from Andrew Napolitano. Fantastic article in that he'll give you a very clear definition of fascism, which is a governmental system in which the means of economic production and delivery of services are privately owned but government controlled. And he says throughout the history of even before getting to its wars and racism, fascism has led to the glorification of the state and the destruction of personal liberty. And his point is it's happening right here. One of the examples he gives is now we're learning major credit card companies have begun to record transactions at gun shops so as to enable the federal government to learn the identity of patrons. Now, keep in mind, we're talking lawful gun shops selling lawful products to lawful users And the credit card records don't even reflect precisely what was purchased. It might have been $2,000 for a gun safe or even for gun safety lessons. But they record the purchase amount and the contact information of the purchaser. And then here comes the Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, or the FBI, with their uh, so-called national security letters, trying to figure out who's purchasing what, who's a danger, and who isn't. Again, these are lawful products being purchased lawfully, by law-abiding citizens. Why would government team up with business to get these things? Well, partly because government is restricted by the Fourth Amendment. If they want private records, they're supposed to go and get a warrant. But here you have private records that are in the hands of a custodian, in this case, the uh, credit card companies. Yeah, well, we'll just do a little end run around the Constitution and uh, see what we can do to find out more about you and who has what. So this means the records held by your computer, your telecom, uh, your uh, financial, health care, utilities, or credit card service providers, your physicians, your lawyers, can be accessed without search warrants and without notice to you. Now, if that doesn't sound like fascism, or at least, you know, the beginning of fascism, I don't know what would. Under the Constitution, Judge Napolitano says, federal gun registries are not permitted. 
It's none of the federal government's business who has purchased what what from a gun shop. In fact, you know, truth be told, and I'm sorry to state it so bluntly, but what you have in your pocket or what you have in your home or what you have in your gun safe is none of the state's business at any level unless there is clearly articulable evidence or suspicion that you are engaged in or have committed a crime. There has to be probable cause before they can turn their attention to you and start saying, hey, we want to know a little bit more about this. But that's certainly not how they're behaving. And this all ties in with, you know, January 6th and the criminalization of dissent. Why, anybody who would uh, deny that our elections are the safest, most honest, and above-board things is a danger to our democracy. Sorry, I'm choking as I try to say those words. You can see where this would be abused. So the point here is, may the government lawfully engage in fishing expeditions in a word? No. The secondary purposes of the Fourth Amendment are to prohibit general warrants, not based on probable cause of crime and not specifying the place to be searched or the person or thing to be seized, and to require that before the government begins to gather any evidence of crime, it has to have articulable suspicion about the crime that's been committed and the place or person to be investigated. Now, he says, moreover, articulable suspicion alone, the threshold for commencing all criminal investigations, does not justify any search, seizure, or non-public surveillance. So what we have here is the stealth use by government of private enterprise to do its unconstitutional dirty work, thus far untested in the courts, but unconstitutional on its face. What secret favors, he asks, is the government giving in return? Okay, I think that's a fair question. This makes me more determined than ever to cut up the credit cards and, and sever those ties. You think this is bad? Wait till we get the central bank digital currency going. Every purchase will be known. Every dime you receive will be known. Tracked. Questioned. Scrutinized. That doesn't sound good to me. All right, one final note here. Uh, by the way, J.B. Shirk who writes for AmericanThinker.com. This guy's on fire lately. And he's got a great article about the power of Americans' rising self-consciousness and how more and more of us are learning to think for ourselves. He says, Sometimes amid the gloom and doom left in the deep, wake, deep state's wake, it's easy to see only cruel waves of tyranny battering America's shores, while missing completely the undercurrent of rising political self-consciousness remaking the American public today. While defending ourselves from unexpected blows, it can seem as if the same government officials who once took oaths to defend the nation have inexplicably decided to conquer it instead. And the brutal shock of our situation leaves us feeling as if there's nothing we can do. Yet he says we are doing something. We are thinking for ourselves. And it is this independent, unauthorized, unofficial public thinking that has led to this great head-on collision between the governing and the governed. Sure, the government's accelerating war against free speech can and should be seen as further proof that a latent totalitarian impulse has long been lurking within the marble halls of D.C.'s bureaucratic playground. But the deep state's obsession with what we think and say comes now precisely because those who wish to rule over us have already lost control over our minds, maybe forever. He says there's a chicken or egg problem here. Has the rise of modern technology, personal computers, cell phones, wireless networking, drone units, inexpensive video cameras, cloud storage, advanced digital processing, etc., created an environment so flooded with tools, 
perfect for public surveillance and manipulation that formerly free Western nations can't help but jump right into the totalitarian tempest once considered the domain of closed states, like the Soviet Union or its Iron Curtain vassals and its communist countries in arms still exit today. Or, he asks, have citizens used these technologies to liberate their own minds to such an extent that Western governments are grasping desperately to maintain, maintain control over their awakened populations? That's a good point. Think about how the balance of power between citizens and their government has changed just in the last quarter century. The Internet has allowed strangers to communicate in ways once unimaginable. Citizen journalists have broken the traditional news monopoly. No longer do a small number of government spokespeople and corporate news executives exclusively control the dissemination of public information. That's a good thing. Also, ordinary people have pocket cameras perfect for recording arrests or police conduct and actions of government agents more broadly. Ideas that would never have aired on television or be taught in schools are introduced and shared online on a massive scale. And some of those ideas take hold and shape popular opinion. Now, he says the elites embrace sponsorship, or I'm sorry, censorship right now because they've lost the monopoly on writing of history's events. Everyone's heard history is written by the victors, and history's a set of lies agreed upon. But what if these rather cynical saving, sayings rather no longer pack as much unvarnished truth? Two years after the establishment declared victory for Joe Biden, well over half the country believes his, quote, election to be the result of cheating and fraud. Decades of nonstop global warming hysteria and three years of COVID-1984 propaganda, both disguising religious fanaticism as science, have yet to brainwash a stubborn contingent of free thinkers who refuse to be swallowed by state-sponsored lies. So if history were largely written by the victors, why do so many people doubt Biden's legitimacy? If history were nothing more than agreed-upon lies, then why do the great majority of Americans believe the U.S. government was either directly involved in President Kennedy's assassination or its cover-up? When corporate media disparage points of view held by majorities of the population as conspiracy theories, while insisting that real truth is found only in the narratives pushed by a collection of fringe minority elites and their government operatives, well then, lies told by putative victors have lost their absolute power. Maybe that's why Americans view the same news corporations that laughingly knight themselves as guardians of democracy as one of democracy's gravest threats. J.B. Shirk says this much is certain. Americans' rising self or rising political self-consciousness, rather, is real. It's here to stay, and it is potent. And by listening to this program, among others, you are tapping into it and doing your part to raise your own self-consciousness. To which I can only say, well done. Happy to be rubbing shoulders with you. This is The Brian Hyde Show.